Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to Behind the Sermon. I'm here again with Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Nate. You, Jeremy, had a great discussion with Benaya last week, correct? Oh, yeah. It was awesome. I was pretty impressed, honestly. When we started it, the beginning of the conversation, I was like, he's going to look at me the whole time and not say words. And then he spoke. And yeah. He did really good. He did an awesome job. Yeah, he did great. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, so that was great. Um, we're in the middle, we're jumping into the series, we're finishing up the series deeper with our Vision Sunday, which is a big deal. And I think before we started, um, Vision Sunday is tends to be when we talk a lot about Kingdom Builders. I think it'd be cool for people who might not know where Kingdom Builders came from, why that became your heart. I remember when, you know, it's year three of it, but where did that come from, Pastor Nate? Why did we jump into this as a philosophy, as a church? Um, well, we're part of the Assembly of God, which is a group of churches internationally, and the heartbeat behind the assemblies is um, to be the greatest missions movement in the history of the world. So that's part of our DNA as a church. And we've always supported missionaries, given to mission projects, but um, we've never under, you know, when I've been lead pastor... We've never been able to help people get a heart for it. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I don't know why, but it just wasn't clicking and we weren't really making any, any um, increase. So yeah. our heart was to give big and we were able to give little. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I think before that, we always do our 10% to missions off of the tithe, but that was really it. Our over and above giving was kind of our, we would do like a Christmas offering and that would usually be like $9,000. No, no. It would usually be like $3,000. <laughs> so our wow. big, like if you think about a miracle offering equivalent, yep. we started doing it just in Dover when we launched Dover and then eventually to both locations, Barrington and Dover, when we had that location. And uh, yeah, combined, I think the biggest year was like 6,000, and yep. one person gave 3,000 of that yeah. out of the whole church. <laughs> so it were, people weren't capturing it. And um, at, you know, I'm always learning and listening to people, listening to conferences, listening to podcasts. And so Pastor Rob Ketterling began to talk about what they did at their church. I'm trying to think of the first time I heard it. Was it 2017, 2016, around there? So I started hearing about it, began to think about it, began to pray about it. And then we, I don't know, the timeline's a little bit blurry because I've never thought it through before, but I think we went to one of his conferences yep. where he then like did a taught on it more deliberately so it wasn't just a conversation it was let me teach you what we do and what it did and it just resonated it felt like that's that is that is how god wants us to do it as well and so i think that's that's a pretty clear memory for me because it was um i remember we were at the conference and we were going through all the things that they were going to be teaching you know so there's all these breakout sessions and one of them was kingdom builders and you're like i think i'm gonna go to that one and i remember thinking why are you going to that one 
Like there's all these other sessions. Yeah. Like, why'd you pick that one? And just being like, oh, I'm confused. And like, and then you came out and being like, no, this is what we're going after. And honestly, as a staff member being like, all right, I'll do it if you want, but I don't really see why. And then having to eat humble pie that next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think I probably thought about doing it for a year and a half and just mm. kept listening to interviews and yeah. podcasts and teaching on it. And then once I decided to do it, it might've been six months before we talked about it with the church. So I think we did our first Kingdom Builder series, October of 2018. Yep. Mm. Then we had our first miracle offering, which was $8,900, which it was like, that's bigger than <laughs> our last three Christmas offerings combined. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I think people are getting the heart of it because we did a whole sermon series on it. Yep. And then that, um, and so then our first year was technically like 15 months, I think, because we yep. started in October. And we went through all of 2019 mm -hmm. combined with that fall of 2018. And um, yeah, and, and just... It just something captured our hearts, right? So it was yeah. the right thing for our church. It was God's yeah. tool for our church for that time. And then obviously we did $154,000. Um, and that uh, total last year in that miracle offering, which was 80, huge 8900 that first year, a couple of years later, it was $57,000 this year. Yeah. It's just amazing. And it's just stepping into what God's doing, right? And it's the same heart, give to missions, let's support, let's do big things and expand the kingdom of God, but yeah. just in a framework and a platform that helps us to understand. And and from my vantage point, helps me to keep the vision in front of people and the heart in front of people. And I think we are able to onboard people a lot easier. I think the one of the biggest things is that it's because it's so pointed, like even all the way down to like, here's an entire book, you know, we gave out this Sunday, like this is showing what it's going to. It's so much better because when like to talk about offering tithes and offering without kingdom builders is so like a tithe is this, we do this in, to be obedient. And then, you know, you got a little something, something on the top, you could throw it into offering. And that's like, yeah. how is that? How is that going to make people be like, yes, I will give to offering. Like that's just not pointed enough. So right. I feel like just getting the booklet, like, if even if you did that minimal step of like, hey, here's what will happen, like people would give more, and obviously you cast a lot more vision than that for it. But having that direction, I think, is a huge deal. I think it's the there's a heart behind it that um, <clears throat> Kingdom Builders is a hundred percent vision, and people can buy into that yeah. on a level you just can't with anything else. Yeah. It's and we have to deliberately have conversations as we're deciding what we're going to do. Are we on vision? There's no. Are we going to pay rent with this? Are we going to, are we going to, you know, are we going to pay the bills? It's no, we are chasing after something. I, I was going through an old notebook last week. And what year did we go to the River Valley Conference? Was that 2018? Uh, May of 2018. Yeah, it must have been. So in my notes, in my Kingdom Builders notes, because I looked at it last week, just as I was using that notebook, um, the speaker who was teaching that session said, um, so 2018, in five years, our goal is to give $10 million to Kingdom Builders. And I think they maybe had just given $5 million for the first time. Anyway, this year, or in 2021, they surpassed $10 million. 
So they had a five-year goal, and they did it in three years. One church, $10 million to Kingdom Builders. Uh, We hope that we'll give a million dollars one of these years, and this year our goal is 250000 so it would be a quarter of the way there. I don't know. Will it? Can we do it in 10 years? I hope we can do it faster. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we can do it in five. That would be amazing. Yeah. And we just keep going after it. I mean, the mil- uh, giving a million dollars to missions um, has always been something we've talked about for as long as I've been on staff. That's always been like a dream. Um, but I think when we started Kingdom Builders, it was the first time where it was like, oh, we might actually do like we can actually do this. Yeah. This isn't some like oh yeah, it's gonna be great in thirty years when the church finally because that's what it felt like a little bit was like okay, based on where we're at, thirty years from now maybe we'll be giving a million dollars to missions. Yeah, <laughs> I I always kind of break things down. So if we're gonna set a goal of a million, like how could that logically happen? So I'm like <laughs> yeah. ten locations given a hundred thousand dollars each. We'll do it. Like we'll definitely do yeah. it. And and it, when you put it. When you break it down in that vantage point, it just seems small. Yeah, a million dollar, ten locations given a hundred thousand each. That's kind of small. We'll almost be there next year. Three locations, almost giving a hundred thousand dollars each. Yeah, but I mean, that, not every location is the size of Dover. So if it's three locations the size of Dover, it would be much more than a hundred thousand dollars each mm-hmm. location. Mm-hmm. So. It's I think a million dollars is a small number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's going to take us a lot of work to get there. Yeah. But but we can do it. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, so I think that's a, that, I think that's a great framework for where where we've come from over these past few years chasing after that dream. So then you really started to really you know Vision Sunday is always about us beginning to say okay now let's implement and take the practical steps, which is always your heart. You like the big idea, but then moving into let's practically do this. So you chased this down as you closed off week uh, the final week of deeper, and you talked about the tree who has to shed its leaves in order to pursue potentially what God has for it. Um, so I, I, I don't know where, where was like the mentality for that idea? Where did that come from? And what? Um, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what sparked it. So a couple weeks ago when I mentioned speed of trust, um, I had the idea for every week after I read that. So I wrote it in my notes a few weeks ago. And then um, last week as I, as I was writing the message, I talked it through with Michelle to, hey, this does make sense, right? I'm not stretching this illustration too far. Um, And, you know, the tree doesn't make a conscious decision to do it, but to lose its leaves essentially would be like losing its life. They're very, very important to it. But a part of God's design, it needs to do that in order to replenish and to grow and to survive winter and god tells us to do the same thing hey time to let go of some things time to leave some good things not always bad things Mm. and i think that's the you know i tried to talk about that yesterday he does call us to leave good things uh let go of good things in order to enter into the next season that he has for us yeah i think one of the things um when you were speaking, it, it brought up uh, a memory of mine. I remember when I was younger, probably in like eighth or ninth grade, we had a nor'easter that hit Vermont in October. And so all the trees hadn't lost their leaves yet. They were still all, they all still had a lot of their leaves because it just hadn't fallen yet. And I will never forget how 
absolutely devastating it was to all the trees around my house, to the power lines, to everything, because when the snow came and the leaves were still on the tree, it began to break the limbs. And so that was one of the things that I started oh. to think about was it's it's deeper than that. When, when God calls you to shed the leaves, to drop them, sometimes it's because when the snow comes, you don't want to lose branches. And right. ultimately, I think that's what yeah, that's cool. what he's calling you into sometimes is that idea that if you hold on to these things, you don't just lose the things, you lose more than you ever expected. Right. You know? And so that's yeah, what think about think about tithing for a little bit, all right? So it's green, the same color as a leaf. <laughs> and you've got to let it go. And it's like, how do I, if I let go of this, what's going to happen to me? Mm. Uh, but if you hold on to it, what do you hold on to? Well, you, now all of a sudden you've opened a door to the devourer mm. who come and now he's able to steal from you. So you don't ultimately give up 10%. You lose way more than that. Mm. Financially, even though you kept the money, it costs, there's a lot of broken branches in your life. You don't ever equate to, oh, that was the devourer. Mm. He just yeah. stole these tires from me. He just stole <laughs> that furnace. For, he just stole this promotion from me. Yeah. But he's always stealing, and he gets a lot more than God asks. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that that was like a great kind of final, final analogy. So I, think, I don't. Go for it. No, I just no. I think it's kind of it's interesting to to walk through this because a lot of people would would think, uh, well, you know, no, if if the good things happening, that must be that must be God. The good thing, you know what I mean? Like all good gifts come from God, but to think through, like, all right, well, not every time that you want to hang on to something that that's good that happens, you know, I just, it's, it's something to think through. Like when people are like, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Why should I have to give up something if God wants what's good for me? You right. know what I mean? What yeah. ultimately he, he wants what's best for us, not what's good for us. How do you draw that line when God, yeah, yeah. If, when God's calling you to give up something good, what does that look like in your personal life? How do you figure out if you're... Well, 10% of your income is good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing to have, but he calls us to trust him with that, give that up, um, yeah. to give up a career mm. that maybe is making a lot of money, um, but and and you're able to give a lot to kingdom builders through it, but then he calls you to do something, start a nonprofit or to work for a yeah. nonprofit. You know, I can think of uh, one of our board members. He felt called to ministry. I don't know how old he was, sixty six maybe. Felt called to ministry, so he left. I mean, it was almost a fifty. I think it was about like a 30 to 50% pay cut to become a director of a Christian nonprofit. Mm. And, but that was what God was calling him to do. Yeah, sure. So it was a great thing. He had a lot of influence. He had a lot of connection with unsaved men that he could invite to church. And he was inviting people to church. He very easily could have said, whatever, I've got five more years, six more years to retirement. I'm just gonna keep the job, and I'll do that after. Mm, right. I can do both, and he would have missed out on a lot. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, um, you went through a lot when you talked about um, talked about Peter and um, kind of his his wrestling with I'm tired, and I really, really liked that portion where you talked about express your express your concerns, but follow God, and so that mentality I think was a, a really, 
I don't know, a better way to frame it than most people do. And it's a different reading than I've ever put in that story. And so I really, I really took a lot out of that idea of, um, of Peter being upset, but still doing what God, God is. Is there anything else that you like that came, like came to mind or that you thought about? Tell me what you guys were thinking during that. The scripture is master. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I let down the net. I let the nets down again. So his excuses were, "I'm tired. I've tried that. It didn't work." I just, I have an amazing ability when I'm reading the Bible to take a lot of emotion out of the sentences I read. <laughs> just in general, it's just something I do. I always have to like keep going back and keep going back to like, all right, how how is he really wording this? So. For me, like when you, when you pause and you're like, but if you say so, I was like, oh, yeah, I could totally hear that, that being how he was wording it. But I was just like, you know, I've done it all night, but if you say so, sure. You know what I right. mean? Like, that's just how you can read through like this weird, like, I'm, I'm really chipper about it. I work graveyard shift, but it doesn't affect my morning sunshine. <laughs> so when you read it with like that tone, I was like, oh yeah, that makes much more sense. Like he is being like, this is completely pointless, but okay, sure. Right. Yeah, you know. It was ridiculous <laughs> that Jesus asked them to do that. Yeah. Also, it was ridiculous. I think one of the things too that you know I take out of it is the idea that Jesus wasn't a fisherman and here he is telling a fisherman how to fish. Do do this. And like even as Peter, like you've spent enough time, like you know who Jesus is. You've got to be thinking like, this is the one thing I'm good at. This is the one thing I know that you never did. Well, yeah. I mean, th- so this just popped in my head. All right, Michelle and I have a fight. Jesus tells me, hey, go ask for forgiveness. Hey, Jesus, you were never married. <laughs> so why don't you stay in your lane? <laughs> Thank you, single guy, for trying to give marriage advice. But you can go over there with the uh, the men's young adult group, and all of you can can get a clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you picture that like in in modern times, something to lay out like that. Like you're a carpenter working on a door frame or whatever. It's just not lining up. So you're about to give up. Some guy walking down the street is like, do it one more time. <laughs> like, Forget you. I've been trying. Yeah, you're a mechanic and the engine, like yeah. the, the, it's throwing codes. It won't work. And then Jesus says, turn it hey, over again. hey, why don't you take the keys out of the ignition, put them back in, and then try to start it. Jesus, we've been working on this for a couple of weeks. There's, you know, it will not start. It's going to the scrapyard. But just to show you, (laughs) we'll put the key in and turn it and... (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Jesus, I had no idea. You are God. You are God. You made this Daewoo car (laughs) run again. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, I don't know this. Uh, yeah. So that's like the thing that I think through. And for me, when, you know, you hear that it's so easy, like to relate to Peter in ministry, like how many things have we tried? How many things have we done? And sometimes it's so easy to be like, we've done that before. We tried that before. It's yeah. not going to work. It's, we tried that. And to feel that, you know, that, that internal, like, okay, but I'll trust you. Even, even when it comes to things like, 
things like the miracle offering, like, well, we do a Christmas offering. We've tried that. We've, yeah, you know, sure. we've, we've, we've done this. We've care. We've tried to care about missions. You know, we've spent years trying to care about missions. We've been, and it's just like, it's not, it's just the right time at the right leading and that changes everything. Right. You know? So that's what, that's what it was kind of resonating with for me as I thought through that, like that relatable moment of I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I've tried that, you know, like I get that, I get that feeling. <laughs> right. Yep. It's, um, it's great when you are in ministry and you try and have those conversations with people and, like so it's happened for me recently where you have those conversations well we've tried this we've had the conversations we've tried to have a circle or whatever and and for us as like pastors to be like could you could you try again a little harder this time like just tr <laughs> just try it again and like i can think through like a couple of friends of mine that that attend here in dover that we had those conversations with like i get it you think you tried and maybe you did but i'm asking you to do it again just do it again. And then they do it, which is always a surprise when they actually try. And then you look at their life like now versus when we had that conversation. Right. Like these are these are real people. I'm not talking metaphor. Like people that <clears throat> you look at them now, they are so connected in the church where they're serving, you know, they're having parties and people from the church are showing up, which is which is a big deal considering right. how their life was going beforehand. And like that was not profound advice. You know, Haley and I were sitting with them. We were just like, just try again. Just try and do it again. And it's just, there's a lot. there. I think there's a lot of power in that as well. Like, to be like, to, for you to know you've done all your own efforts. And then be like, and then for Jesus to come and be like, now do it again. But I'm, I'm with you now. You know right. what I mean? Like, yep. do exactly what you did and watch what's going to happen. Yep. That's like, it's so powerful to watch that happen in people's lives. Um. And I think that's like that's kind of the main point that he's bringing up. Like, you've already done these things, but now Jesus is standing right in front of you, and he's like, "Yeah, do it now with me and present, right?" And watch it. And I think the difficult part can be sometimes you don't know if you are in the morning or if you're still working through the night. Like, for this miracle to happen, the entire night before was critical. Like, yeah. they had to work through the night for them to experience that miracle. And I think they had to wash their nets and start putting them away too. Yeah. The boats are docked. Yeah. The nets are just, they're all clean. They're about to be put away. And then he says, there's a big part. He wants us to get to the end of ourself mm. be yeah. before, he, before he moves because he wants to make sure he gets all the credit. Mm. If they caught two boatloads of fish during the middle of the night, would their... Would their um, out, would the outcome have been, Jesus, you, I'm a sinful man. You are God. I'm awestruck by you because we caught a bunch of fish by ourselves in the middle of the night. Right. No, they would have been like, yeah, that's right. We I am it. Simon Peter. <laughs> fish, you tilapia of the Sea of Galilee, beware. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, and you, I mean, you talked through that a lot, like, with circles and and I had brought it up after too because even when you brought up circles like that hits home for me a lot because that's like I feel like the most common area volunteering I feel like people are less hesitant because they can try other areas it feels like something different yeah, yeah. Ah, kids didn't work for me 
I will be on the band. Right. It's, it's so different. It doesn't feel like it's serving. Right. It's not the same thing. But circles is something that you have conversations with people, even from other churches. Yeah. Oh, I've tried it. I've tried it before. It just doesn't. It's not for me. It's not for me. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't have any friends. You need to be a part of a circle. I try. I can't make friends at circles. Yeah. You know, and well, we're called the deeper community. Yeah. Yeah. And so because he told us, um, be the body of Christ, be connected yeah. to the vine, be one, then we have to keep doing that. Right. We, we can't just, well, sorry, Jesus, I'm too tired on Wednesday nights. I, you know, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't right. work for my schedule. It, I tried it before. Well, what he told us to, so then we don't give up on that. You know what? This well, Something I thought about when I heard you talking about this, and maybe, like, whatever, shoot me down if this is a wrong idea. <laughs> uh, dang it. I didn't even get it out. The, the idea of how, you know, like, America's kind of made fun of for that we talk about, like, persecution a lot, persecution of the church, persecution of, because, like, in America... It's not really quite what we're seeing in other countries. But I thought through when you were talking like that about like people's excuses of how it's not convenience, like how convenience is turning into like this persecution of the church. Like, you know, even people telling, you know, my sister volunteers a lot. People will ask her, you know, she'd be like, oh, well, I got to get to the church and do this. They'll be like, well, are they paying you for it? No, you don't have to do it. Just ditch them. Like this right. idea, like, well, is it is it serving you? Well, no, you should get out of it. And this idea of like, okay, it's not persecution. People aren't threatening to kill us because we're doing this. But they're almost like, oh, come on, this isn't really benefiting you. It's not really convenient. Right. You're tired. You deserve to to take this break. And like that's becoming a the biggest issue I think in America with Christians growing deeper is like, my walk should be strong and convenient at the same time. Like. Church should happen, you know, at this time because that's when I would like to be there. And I think that's a huge issue that just when you were talking through circles, I was like, man, that's just like one thing of so many things. And like, yeah, I think churches should cater. I think churches should come up with some stuff, but you can't bend over backwards for everyone's schedule, for everyone's yeah. everything. And and even thinking through circles, like when people say they've tried – when you sign up for a circle, this is just a funny. <laughs> when you sign up for a circle, your your name's put on a list, obviously, because we want to make sure people are signing up. We want to track moves. If you say you tried, make sure you've attended because we can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're like, I've tried, you'd be like, nah, you've tried signing up, but you have not tried showing up yet. <laughs> so that would be maybe your next step. Uh, just that's just a side thing, but yeah, we do. We have signups for a reason. Yeah, I think. Um, that made me think, so you talked about this before Nate, and, um, I think it's, it is at the root of a lot of a deeper, a deeper cultural problem that we're experiencing, but it's your, like, I love it. You hate the, the word like self care. Like you've talked about disliking <laughs> self care <laughs> as a mentality and that, that pops up in Christian circles and in secular culture all the time that yeah. idea, self care, self care. And you talk about like, this is why I have a problem with it. And I really like your take on it and your mentality. Well, I don't it. know if I had enough caffeine. Usually I get <laughs> ramped up to have this conversation. But the self-care 
because it's like, it's the secular, well, God told me. Mm. And so in Christian circles, you come into a meeting and you're like, God told me I'm going to be the next pastor of the church. God told me you need to play this song. And it's a manipulation tool. Oh, he's had enough caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a manipulation tool. And so the self-care talk, it's essentially the same thing. Hey, God's calling us to deeper community, to be part of a circle, to study the Bible, to be friends. Yes, but I have these boundaries, and I've got to care for myself. So, sorry, God. Yeah. Uh, it just feels it is like the equivalent to that, and I don't like it, that it's a trump card. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, I know there's a lot going on. This is the one time I'm going to ask you over the last five years. Can you step up and help me with this? Oh, sorry. Self-care. I... It puts this, you can either go with it or you're abusive. Yeah, you're yeah. abusive. You're, you're <laughs> abusive. The... You don't care about me. You're, but part of self care is giving. Yeah. yeah. It's sacrificing. It's not, it's not living selfishly. Self care found in scripture is Sabbath, mm-hmm. yeah. prayer. But people are practicing self. I mean, they may, they could be. But are you practicing Sabbath? Are you practicing prayer? Are you practicing meditation? Mm-hmm. If you're not, then it's not a self care problem. It's a selfishness problem. Yeah. And it's not coming out of a spiritual place. It's coming out of a fleshly place. Mm. And um, yeah, I probably said too much. <laughs> no, it's good because you look at like people's, you know, people, people want to be celebrated for it too, which is like the weird, you know, you post a picture, you're at a coffee shop with your field notes journal out, and you're like, self care this morning, and everyone's supposed to be like, good for you, great job, and like, if you go on my Instagram, I had a great self care yesterday. <laughs> Today we flew the sledding. Today we flew the sledding. I went off that jump I, from the moment I got there. I wanted to be. There was a group of teenagers that built that ramp, and they're going off those. They're doing, they're doing spins and these one after another. And I'm like, I want to be there. Those kids are my heroes. <laughs> and I looked at it the whole time, and I kept telling myself, "You're too old. Don't do it. You're too old. You're too old." And like Mich- Michelle's ready to leave. She's got the kids loaded in the car. I'm like, before you go, will you take my phone and go film this? <laughs> Did you go with a kid? Yeah, Benton was okay. on. Okay, I made him sit Indian style, so in case we crash, I wouldn't like buckle his knees backwards. <laughs> but yeah, we went off that jump. You could hear it. You, you could hear the joy from you. <laughs> I couldn't hear Benton. I saw you him. can hear him because he he started yelling once we got further down the hill. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, but that was amazing. Um, I got home. I walked in the door. I said, Michelle. I love sledding. <laughs> I, I landed that. on my wallet though, so my rear end <laughs> has a deep tissue bruise. It hurts. Sledding's no joke. I bet the wind knocked out of me so many times as a kid. It's uh, always. It was amazing. That's but awesome. but so but that's part of I mean that's part of self-care, but it's recreation. Yeah. Which yeah. is not selfish, all right? So when my kids like dad would you go sledding with us? All right. Self-care, I'm going to sit and watch Musty One on YouTube, or I'm going to sit and watch the football (laughs) game, or I'm going to... It's just, again, self-care, 
the principle is in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Sabbath. And the secular vantage point, it's selfishness. Yeah. They are not co equals. Yeah. yeah. And we got to be careful that we're not taking secular, selfish principles and aligning our life around those. Mm. It will not lead to life. Mm. It will lead to a polluted, a polluted heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. It, it can easily become, like, I think about it when it, it can easily, self care can become, like, easily the most, like, it talks about it in scripture in a different vantage point where it says like, oh, those who come in and give with trumpets and put the offering, it's almost this mentality of not that I'm giving something to God, but look at what I'm giving to God. And it's this worship of of your of your own ability to provide. And it can very easily turn into that where it's like, look, look at the way I'm worshiping God's creation by taking care of it. But really what you're doing is you're propping it up above what God has called you to. And it can very easily twist into that, yeah. into that mentality. And, um, and then I think part of the problem is a lot of the things people say are self-care are not. Right. It's serving you know? the flesh. Yeah. It's not serving your spirit, yeah. which is if we're going to self-care, our focus is on our spirit man, yeah. not our fleshly man. Yeah. And it's a big difference. A big difference. Yeah. It's why we fast. Mm. You know, fasting is more self-care than than watching a movie. Yeah. No. Um, why? Because it's connected with our spirit, man. Mm. And we take care of that first. And it's amazing how a lot of the other fleshly things, when you're taking care of yourself spiritually and you have self-care for your spirit, man, it's amazing. All of a sudden you have capacity to have friendship, to give to people, mm. to sacrifice your time for other people, because your spirit man is not, um, inebriated is not the right word, <laughs> emaciated. Yeah. It's not emaciated, struggling to yeah. make it through to the next church service whenever you're going to show up for that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the idea, and the idea of self-care should inherently help you be more selfless. And that's that's what you're doing it for. It's not for, I want to feel better or be happy or have this thing. It's it's to be, okay, how, what is it doing? Oh, it's preparing me to be more selfless. It's preparing yeah. me. Let me give some book um, recommendations. So I don't know, I mentioned Peter Scazzaro. Yep. Um, he's written a bunch of books, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, I'd start with spirituality or leader, but he also just came out with emotionally healthy discipleship or disciple, which I haven't read yet. Mm -hmm. Um, they're all a little bit different, but they're all a little bit similar. I would read emotionally healthy spirituality or emotionally healthy leader or the disciple one. I would read one of those because I think for me, it's been formative for me. Also, John Mark Comer, he wrote the eliminating the relentless pursuit of hurry i think or okay. busy um i'd recommend that one as a good one the too relentless worry what is it relentless pursuit of either hurry or i mean i should have busy. looked it up <laughs> both of those are good um both of those are good ones for follow-up for the deeper series also oh i don't have the book on me there's another book i just started reading I'd have to check my Amazon purchase history to be able to give you the title. But 
I will recommend it to you here in a second. Someone else can talk while I look yeah, it up. Yeah, feel free. Um, <laughs> Peter Scazzaro uh, definitely ends up on one of the highest are, – are, as a staff member, as soon as you come on staff, that's usually one of the first books that yeah, we emotionally healthy, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. Yeah. It was, was really, really important to me. I think I read it for, in 2015. Yeah. It was a really, really <laughs> – I mean, life-changing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that definitely, yeah. And that that's always one of the books that anytime I'm working with anyone who's starting out in ministry, who is in ministry, like, oh, no, this is the book you need to read. This is the one. Which book is that? Uh, Emotionally Healthy Leader. Oh, yeah. Like Peter Scazzaro, just his talk. I mean, the premise of the book a little bit is he talks about he was successful from the outside in by every metric. Large church, 1,500, 2,000 people, but internally, he was a mess. The big thing for him is his wife quit the church. Yeah. she. Oh. I'm done. I'm not going anymore. She started attending another church. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> In the midst of... So that was the catalyst. Yeah. And wow. it just it, it unfolded in him how he talks about, I had every metric of success from a professional standpoint. Yeah. But I missed every metric of success from a spiritual standpoint, and this is what this is what it is. And it just birthed out of him this deep understanding of what it means to serve God as a minister and not as an employee. And you know, a very powerful thing. That was one of the first things um, Nate really pushed for us when I came on staff. He's like, "Listen, it's going to be very. If you vibe with our staff, it's very easy." to be a very good employee of God, but very bad child of God. And that's something yeah. we've always talked about as a, as a wrestling point for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, we just, we get along. And part of that is we share some of the same struggles. <laughs> I can't find the book. Sorry. All right. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Uh, one I haven't, I haven't read yet. Uh, Emily Lapian suggested it, but uh, um, to hell with the hustle. So same idea as the eliminating the relentless pursuit. Mm. It's the idea like just slow down, and that is a it's a Christian book. Um, just talking about the same type. I of talked thing. about it on Sunday that when we uh, when we all of a sudden overwhelmed by doing more for God, mm. we have to realize that we're not being yeah with God. Yep. Or when we're not doing it for the for God. We're not really doing it for God. We're just doing it. Well, yeah, you have an internal. You don't have the capacity internally. Right. So when God says, here's the next thing I'm calling you to, and you're like, I don't have capacity. God, I can't do I can't do a circle. It's too much. It's breaking yeah. my back. Okay, well, there's now a whole lot of alarm flags that need to be going off, uh, alarm bells going off. And I realize internally, right. I'm not, I need to go deeper internally. I'm I'm not close to him. Yeah. yeah. I'm, ho- I'm holding on to all these leaves. The, all these things might be good things, and I'm holding on to them, and I'm yeah. not letting them go. And God's calling you to to drop sometimes drop some of the dead weight, drop some of the drop some of some dead leaves and even some living leaves to to move into the next season. You know? Yeah. So yeah. And it's and it's you know, it's the deeper culture, you know, we you know, it's that weird mix of culturally we worship busyness and we right. worship just doing things. I one thing that I tried to take out of my vernacular is when people say, how's it going? Or like, what do you, whatever, what you would be doing or whatever. I tried not to say busy. Mm. Yeah. Just what's been going on with you, man. So busy. 
Yeah. And so I try to eliminate that. So even when people tell me, like, you must be so busy, and I usually downplay it. I'm like, no, no, I'm just, um, well, you know, we just launched a location, built a house, moved three times, doing my <laughs> master's class, um, lost fine. 40 pounds, uh, got a puppy, um, got four goats, uh, doing marriage counseling. Um, yeah. I'm good. Just no big deal. <laughs> Not busy. Yeah. Well planned, yeah. <laughs> but take I'm that out that because organized. that's not the that's not the celebration. Yeah. When yeah. you say I'm just so busy, you should then follow up with I repent, Lord. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the stand-up comedian that was like to celebrate? Like you hit a certain age where then you go the opposite. We start to celebrate doing nothing. Yeah. Like you used to be depressed about that idea, and then you hit a certain age where like. Hey, what what'd you do this weekend? Oh, did I do it? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, sweet. I did nothing this weekend. It was great. <laughs> the idea of like, we could celebrate that too. That's fine. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I just, I rested. Saturday was, you know, Friday was our Sabbath. We just hung out. And listen, I'm not perfect. Day. I get in unhealthy rhythms. Yeah. Um, I got COVID in May and I was glad. Uh, and I, because, because I had to slow down. And there's been different seasons of my life where I'm like, Oh, I hope I get the flu because yeah. I need an excuse to cancel everything. Yeah. And that's bad. Yeah. That is a bad place to be. Before you guys turn this off and shut off the microphones, let's talk about our new series starting. Oh, Pitfalls. Yes. Pitfalls. Next week, we got a couple of special guests with us. Two of our pastors who are single are joining oh, yeah. us on the podcast, Pastor Victoria and Pastor Colin. They're both in a dating relationship, um, but they're both unmarried. And so they're going to come because next week we're talking about pitfalls in dating. And then we got pitfalls in marriage, pitfalls in your mental health, and pitfalls in your finances. Mm. That's what we're going to be talking about this month. I'm really pumped. Yeah, me too. Really pumped. What's your big hope that someone takes out of this series? Like what, what, what's, the big, what, yeah, what's the big vision for someone? I think so learn from my mistakes. And I haven't made every mistake we'll talk about because like – you know, dating, one of the pitfalls is living together. So I never did that. Michelle yeah. and I didn't live together. I never lived with a girlfriend. But not just learn from my mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes. And yeah. then I'll pour, and most importantly, learn from our creator who's mm. teaching us so we don't have to live any of these mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing. Like, all right, there, here are these huge pitfalls. But if I follow Jesus, follow scripture, then I don't even have to, I don't even have to swing over. Like, I, yeah. I, I can just be so far around it. Um, so maybe that's the big, I, I should make that more concise before I preach on Sunday, but we're recording this on Monday. I've got some time. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> it's going to be fun though. I like the basing it off the Atari game. It's like, that's really yeah. fun. It looks fun. It looks like not as deep, not as deep as a message as I'm sure it's going to be. Like, it's like fun and whimsical, but we're going to learn how to like, let's stay out of some huge Huge thing. I'm hoping personally, and I don't want to. I don't want to overhype, but I'm hoping personally that I have a lot of fun preaching. Mm. Yeah, and I, you know, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we laugh a lot, even though we'll be talking about, you know, marriage fights and money problems and yeah. people living with a lot of regret from choices they made when they're dating. But I'm hoping we have a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of repentance, a lot of healing, and 
a lot of people saying, "Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live like that," and mm. they choose to go another direction. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I'm excited for it. So yeah, so we'll be jumping into that. But I think that pretty much covers everything we have as we jump into the rest of this year. It was a good start with the series deeper. And yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and hopefully the rest of this year we continue to just, you know, do things for us. This is a year that we as a staff are praying is a year unlike anything we've ever experienced. Yeah, and that's our prayer for the church. That's the prayer for everyone who's a part of our church. For everyone individually like this is a year unlike anything you've ever imagined and we're just keeping that in front of us as a hope and a dream so yeah. amen thanks for joining us